Have you ever wondered what heaven is like? Do you ever wish you could meet a real-life saint? Ever imagined what it takes to be a saint? You are not alone. Really, heaven is not a prison, and the saints are not secluded. Join us on the discovery of a lifetime as we probe the mystery of the communion of saints. Find that the promise of heaven begins now, and companionship with the saints begins today. No longer strangers, bonding with the saints in heaven and on earth. Welcome to No Longer Strangers. I'm your host, Father Taylor Reynolds. Before we begin, let us open up again with prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord our God, we thank you and praise you for giving us the good things of this life. Lord, we pray that everything that we have received from you, everything that has its origin in you, may bring its completion within you. Lord, we pray that we may discover again and again the great call you have for us to discover the spiritual realm around us and to be led by that spiritual realm to our home in heaven. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, down here in Louisiana, it is finally fall. As of September 21st, it was fall, but it took us a couple of days before we started feeling it. We're going to have a couple of fake falls, a couple of heat spikes again. But it's good that today we were, we were able to go outside and actually think, wow, maybe I need to grab a jacket. Maybe I'm going to grab a jacket just for the sake of it. So it's good that it is getting into the end of fall, or it's getting into fall, the end of September. Bring us into the season of October. And October is a, is a month filled with a lot of different spiritual realities. Everything from saint feast days to a great darkening um, in the spiritual realm. A thinning of the veil, as you could even say. And we sort of inaugurate this time with the feast day of the archangels Michael, Gabriel, and Raphael. We celebrate them on September 29th, and it marks this period that the 21st of September marked the equinox. And what that means is the day and the night are equal. They are both the same length. After the equinox, all the way until the solstice, basically until Christmas, we have a shortening of the day. The day begins to shorten. The light slowly begins to, to fade, begins to lessen, and the power of darkness begins to grow. And that becomes not just a sort of a physical, metaphorical reality, but there, there becomes something to that. And I'm going to, in, in the next few episodes, delve into that mystery, delve into that understanding. But to begin, we, we open this season with the archangels. We, arc, we look at the archangels as well as we look at all the archangels as that presence, that ever-powerful presence of the spiritual world around us. As I've said before, sometimes the saints are not necessarily seen as they truly are. You know, they're seen as very stagnant you know, figures, or, or they're looked at as just examples, or, you know, people far off in heaven. But the angels are always a different story. Every culture, every person sees the angels as this just constant intervention of heaven in our world. Um, 
And so we're gonna I'm gonna talk about that today, you know, and and in the next few episodes I want to unravel that a bit more. And so when we look at the angels, we look at the archangels. We go to that principle again we profess in the faith. I believe in God, Father Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth, of all things visible and invisible. In the book of Genesis, in chapter one, the first thing, you know, we 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 read the creation story. You know, we we hear of God creating the earth. We we hear of God creating the animals. We we hear God creating man himself. You know, we we hear. And no, this is the foundation of the creation of the physical world. But we have to be reminded God is the founder and the origin of the spiritual as well. And that's something we don't necessarily think about. But again, Genesis chapter 1 verse 1. In the beginning when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was without form and shape with darkness over the abyss, and a mighty wind swept over the waters. Then God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light was good. And God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And then God said, Let there be a dome in the middle of the waters to separate, the, to separate one body of water from the other. God made the dome, and it separated the waters below the dome from the waters above the dome. And so it happened. God called the dome sky. Evening came, and morning followed the second day. So, already this first day, this first creation, when God created out of nothing, the first thing he talks about is creating light, creating heaven, forming this dome and forming what is above and forming what is below. But what we are going to, what we see above all with God is that God is not only the creator of it all, but God created, creates this harmony within all. Everything is, is united. Everything is, is bonded together. There's this ecosystem. You know, you could say he's creating and the spiritual is not a foreign substance to it. The spiritual is not something that's just added later on. It's the first thing he creates. He creates the spiritual. He creates this reality that sort of is above but is around and permeates everything else. And so we have to we have to factor that in. And that also we have to factor in that God creating it in the beginning lays the foundation for how and why it is the end. Why is it that man is able to seek heaven and why is man able to arrive at heaven? Because he has within him from the very beginning, from the foundation of his creation, he, he has within him some of that spiritual. He has some of that reality of the spiritual that imbues him, that unites him, that unites him with this greater spiritual world and draws him to it, calls him to it, beckons him to arrive at heaven. And so that there's this final, that, that final connection. And I'll, I'll obviously going to unravel that theme more. But going back to that, so he creates those things above. He creates the, the dome, he creates the sky above. And also I would say he creates the stars. Um, these lights in the sky and the greater light 
to rule in the day, the sun, the lesser lights to rule in the night. We know that there are then these lights, these these guides, these stars in the heavens that God creates. The book of Revelation would ultimately say that, you know, the serpent wiped away a third of the stars from heaven. And these aren't just physical, you know, burning nebulas of glass of gas. These are these are beings. This is the angels. God created the angels as the first pure spirits. He created them again out of nothing. He created them immediately. And they were pure spirits. They have no body. They have no physical reality to them. They're pure spirits. And they're also pure intellectual. Now, that's an important point. We're going to unravel a bit more. But they are purely intellectual as well as spiritual. They have no bodies, which means there's no change. There is no decay. It also means that because they're spiritual, because they're intellectual, they learn, they know, they comprehend. How do the angels know? They don't, they don't learn the way we learn. Because we have physical bodies that change and you know grow and everything, we we learn over time, over processes, over you know trial and error. The angels don't because they're pure spirits. They are like these pure sponges that just absorb knowledge, absorb truth. The angels we say learn through intuition. They just from the moment they are created, their intellects just absorb directly from God all truth. They don't have to learn. They they are in, they are incapable of necessarily making a mistake because they know everything. They learn it all immediately. It's absorbed into them. They are also created with free wills. That means they are able to choose. They're able to decide from what they know. They're able to then love it, to embrace it. When God creates the angels, we say he creates nine choirs. Nine choirs because it's three sets of three. And these angels will form this, as we hear in scriptures, this ascending and descending chain, the ladder between God and all of his creations. They flow throughout from the very throne of God all the way down to the lowest created thing. They, they, they imbue it and they connect it all and they draw everything up to God and they, they come down from God with his messages. You know, the word angel is from the Greek word meaning messenger. They, they, bring from God his message, his design. And the first the first tier, the first three choirs of angels, the ones that are close to the throne of God, are the ones that are, well, close to the throne of God. They are the ones that are the most intimately connected with God's knowledge, his mind. These are the, the cherubim, the seraphim, and the thrones. They are these mighty, powerful angels that are so close to, to hearing that the wisdom of God, the utterances of God, the plans of God, you know, they they know in a sense first of all from God His plans and designs. Then this, then the second tier of three, these are the angels that sort of become the um, kind of the logicians. They 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 become sort of the architects. You know, having received these master plans, they then okay set out the plan of how how to how to practically put all this into place. Um, these next three, and you know, I, I might be a little off on my, <laughs> on my exact, but they, they are the, the dominions, the principalities, and the powers. And, and these three different choirs, they do everything from 
as as some would say, from directing other choirs of angels to, as tradition was believed, to moving the galaxies, moving planets, you know, keeping the forces of physics in motion, you know, keeping that that um, inertia, you know, of of power of physics of, of moving it, keeping it all, you know, in motion. Then the last three are sort of the foot soldiers. They're they're the executors of many of these plants, and that is the the virtues, the archangels, and the and the guardian angels. Um, and of course, we know of the guardian angels. They're the ones that are closest to us. They are our guardian angels given to each person. The archangels are these greater angels that sort of guide and protect peoples, you know, larger nations. We'll get into that when we start talking about, again, our three archangels today. But you see these, all of these, they, they form this unbroken chain between God and ultimately his creation, leading up from creation to God, all prayers, all guidance. And from God, they bring message, they, they, they bring counsel. The angels, are going back to their creation, when they're first created, you know, from all these choirs, they are creating media. They are given that full knowledge, and also in that first moment of their creation, they are given the ability to choose, and they they do. They're able to choose from what they know, so they make a choice, and that choice is forever. Now, again, that, that sounds very, very hard for us to understand, because we can make mistakes, our, our physical you know, nature and our, our ability to learn allows us to, you know, to learn. Okay, I made a mistake. Well, I learned from my mistakes. I try again. The angels don't have that. They don't have these bodies. They don't have this imperfection in their knowledge. So when they make a choice, it's perfect. And what that means is when they choose to say, I'm going to serve God, it's a perfectly informed decision. There's no stain, no taint of unknowledge. There's no lack of foresight. They completely know what that means to serve him for all eternity. And so when they choose it, they are perfectly in that in that action. Now, there are those that chose not to serve, as we heard again from Revelation. One third of the stars of heaven were swept away with Satan. There were one third that chose not to serve God. And there's two consequences to that reality. First of all, it is a permanent choice. Those angels that chose not to serve God, they permanently, completely transformed their self and are not able to repent. One, because what what repentance can they do? There's nothing more for them to know. There's no different choice to make. They know perfectly and completely. Sometimes in the book of Revelation it, or, or you know some of the apocalyptic literature, they depict the angels with you know eyes all over their body because they have such a foresight, and a sight of everything around them, all the consequences and everything about them. So there's nothing more for them to learn. So when they choose, it's perfect and there's no going back. And it literally transforms their being, which becomes sort of the second consequence. When they choose to not serve God and they become demons, they truly become demons. I don't, I don't technically like the term fallen angels because they, in almost in a sense, don't become angels anymore. They become demons. They become fallen. They, 
in not serving God and not fulfilling the complete nature of what they are anymore, they become less of themselves. They lose some of their intellectual ability. Now, I'm going to talk more about the demons um, in another time, about how how the demons work, how they tempt us ultimately. But yeah, they become less of themselves. They become less you know, of, of angels, lower than angels, really. And with that became their falling from heaven. So leading the charge, of course, is Lucifer. Lucifer meaning the light bearer. Lucifer was said to have been a seraphim because seraphim is one of those choirs that's close to the throne of God. But seraphim are more connected with sort of this, the burning love of God. And because of that, it's, you know, some of the, some of the early church fathers say that it's easier for the, for for a burning passion to fall away than for, you know, a cherubim that is like a perfect knowledge. And there's a lot of theories of what exactly came into the Satan's decision. Some say it was just a simple choice of I will not serve. Others say that in the mystery of of obviously God's foreknowledge and everything of the angels, basically God a foreknowledge that yes, God would create man, God would love man and even to a point that God would become a man and that the angels just could could not take that. Satan could not bow down before God becoming a man, a man that is lower than an angel. He just couldn't bear that and chose not to serve and chose to rebel, and so they fell. Now, the fall depicted in the book of Revelation is between, is a battle. And they say at the forefront of that battle is Mikael, which is Hebrew for who is like God. And he fights against the devil and prevails, which is obviously an interesting reality because Lucifer is a seraphim, much higher of a choir than an archangel. But what did we say? When, an, when, the, when Satan or when any of the angels choose not to serve God, they become lesser. So he, he already loses much of his strength. And it's really interesting to see, you know, that a fallen angel of a cherubim is able to be defeated by an archangel holding his position. Um, it also shows the greater power of the light over the darkness. And Michael's name, you know, who is like God, you know, that is, his, that is basically what it is. Because the devil wanted to be like God. The devil wanted, you know, I will not serve God. I'd rather reign in hell than serve in heaven. And so, yes, Mikael, who is like God, is the one to fight him, the one to cast him out, because nobody is like God. And that is the reality of that battle, you know, that, that, that he's cast out. He is thrown from heaven. Um, and here's an interesting point. I'll, I'll bring it up again. Another thing, they say, you know, where were the, the these demons thrown? They were, they were not thrown necessarily to earth, or at least this is some what some of the angel beliefs say. They weren't necessarily thrown to earth, for that is the holy creation of God, and they are they have no bodies. They were not left just kind of hovering under heaven because that is the holy place, but they were placed in the mid air, basically like in the air, essentially around the head of man, around our ears. Um, I'm going to delve into that mystery later. I don't, I don't want to get ahead of myself too much, but that's kind of this interesting thought. I'll touch back on it. So back to our angels. Um, 
you know, so we've talked about these creations and now we celebrate, you know, this great feast of these three angels. Traditionally, you know, this feast of September 29th was simply just the feast of St. Michael and the other two angels had their own feasts. Um, Raphael, you know, Gabriel, um, but they're, they're all put together because they are celebrated and hallowed as archangels. Um, and Michael, again, is this great warrior, this, you know, just powerful man of God, who again is an archangel, is given, given tutelage, given patronage over peoples. And in a sense, he is the great protector of the people of God of all those who serve under God. And so all people at any time can call on him in the same way that you can call on and you should call on your own guardian angel. When you call on them, it gives them that permission to work. You know, the angels are messengers, so they deliver messages from God. The angels are given an ability to move and motivate our consciences. Um, You know, they are able to touch our consciences to enlighten us, um, to press upon our consciences the image of the cross. You know, there's that image or that story in Ezekiel where the angels go around and they mark on the forehead the tau, which is basically the cross on the forehead of all the believers. It impresses upon us the cross. The angels are the ones that impress upon our conscience the consequences of sin, what is right, what is wrong. And they, yes, they, they were the traditional sort of image of our conscience, of us, you know, following God, following what was right or wrong, or not. Um, And so these archangels, we call upon them, and they're given that ability to act, to to work in our life. Michael has been an incredibly active angel. Um, He appears in the book of Daniel. He appears in Revelation. Um, Throughout the world, there are multiple shrines to St. Michael, Um, one of my favorites, the one I was able I was able to personally go and visit is um down near Giovanni Rotondo and it is the cave of Saint Michael. It is, you know, um Monte San Angelo uh Monte San uh San Angelo, which is um down on the on the Adriatic coast of Italy, kind of on the opposite side of Naples, um, way up on this hill. It's very beautiful. Whole city is made out of like this white rock. And it's this beautiful, beautiful white church. But when you open the doors, the first thing that you see is this stairway going down. And you descend down into this cave. And in the cave, there's this just beautiful, powerful statue of St. Michael. And as the story goes, there was this, you know, this farmer, this shepherd. And one of his bulls got loose and ran up into the mountains and went into this cave. And he's just kneeling in this cave. And they're trying to get him out. They're trying to get him out. And the bull won't move. Everything they're trying to do, the bull won't won't move, won't budge. So finally, they they take some arrows and they try to shoot the bull, saying, well, we can kill it and then just drag it out. Well, then the arrows turn around and strike the archers and kill them. And everyone's like terrified. And so then Michael appears to the bishop and says, you know, it is I that has done this, for this place is holy and sacred to me. And they build this... um, this shrine to Michael and Michael defends the people in battle. He fights against their armies, but also day in and day out, Michael fights against the, the attacks of the devil. You know, ever at the end of every mass, we're encouraged to pray the St. Michael prayer because in so doing we are calling upon his power. We're inviting him 
to protect us, to defend us. That yes, we are in this spiritual battle. We're wrapped up. We're surrounded by a spiritual world. And there is also an evil force around us. There are evil spirits. Michael fights against them. Um, we're, we're just constantly in a, wrapped up in this this reality. And Michael is there fighting for us. Michael fights, um, as again, at the beginning of time, he fought against the devil. He also, at the end of time, will fight against the Antichrist, against that great sort of ambassador of the devil. And so we look at Michael, who is like God. We look at Gabriel, you know, the strength of God, the one who had the strength alone to bear the great message of salvation to Mary. You know, he alone was able to bear those words, the true word that would bring about the power of, of the incarnation. Um, Raphael, you know, the, the healing of God, this angel of healing we hear about in the book of, of Tobit. You know, he healed, he guided, he appeared as a, a fellow traveler, you know, just so very close to man. He was so incredibly close um, to the point that he looked like a man. You know, we'll talk, I'll talk more about Raphael at another point. Um, I have a beautiful testimony from someone who shared their story about Raphael. But we're, we're invited into this great companionship with the angels. Yes, with the saints, but also with the angels. The angels, again, give us that very constant reminder of the presence of the spiritual life, that we were, we were born into it. We were born into the spiritual world. It's part of our being. It's, it's in our DNA. It surrounds us at all times, and it's our final end. You know, we're constantly connected at it, connected with it right now because it's our beginning and it's going to be our final end. So we celebrate these angels and we're invited to have that recognition of them, to pray to them, to invite them. So I'm going to end this now. Again, I'm going to be touching on this subject more throughout October. But to end, let's, let's end praying the St. Michael prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. St. Michael, the archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. The Lord be with you, with your spirit. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, God bless everybody. Take care. Do you have an experience to share? Have you discovered a saint stalker? Has the spiritual life broken the barrier and transformed your everyday life? Or does heaven transform how you live on earth? We want to hear about it. Visit us at www.nolongerstranger.com or email me at frtreynolds at dioceselic.org that's d-i-o-c-e-s-e-a-l-e-x dot o-r-g and share your story and even join us on the show god bless